I am Matthew Connery. I'm Corey Thistlewood. I'm Jeremy Sitnick. And this is Times Before Can Be Forgotten, a conversation show that today is going to be about why we're live on Newman Road having a conversation. So uh, we are jumping into the, the podcast domain uh, kind of unintentionally. And uh, I start with a book that I was reading, and these guys don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about, um, reading Kerouac. And there are three guys, they go out into the Cascades, and they're hiking up Matterhorn, which I didn't even know there was a Matterhorn mountain out in California, but apparently there is. So the three of them are going up, and one of them stops because he's tired, rest by a lake. The other two try to go up. Kerouac is the inexperienced guy, and his best friend is the experienced guy, and Kerouac gets the shit scared out of him, and he crouches down somewhere. He thinks he's going to fall off the mountain. And his other guy, of course, makes it to the top, and he's screaming and hollering. Well, anyway, they go back down the mountain, and this is where you guys come in. I'm thinking of what the conversation that they have when they're back down, and Kerouac says to the guy that made it to the top, oh, I wish I had a tape recorder so that I could record what it sounded like when you were up there and you were hollering and bellowing that you had made it up to the top. And the guy said, no, I don't think this is... That's not for the people somewhere down there. Like, nobody else is coming out here but us. That sound is for us. I kind of feel a little bit similar that this is a, this is an act of rebellion against the shit that we do Monday through Friday, and I think that's a big part of the reason I wanted to get out here with the two of you and start to record my own voice instead of listening to somebody else's. Of course, Corey was a little bit reluctant to come out here this morning because he thought uh, he was coming out here for an intervention, and uh, pleased to say that that's not until 3 o'clock today, but... Why Why are you joining me? Why is this of interest to you? Are we the three guys, symbolically, who climbed the mountain? That's partially what I'm so thinking. you were down below, Corey and I climbed to the top of the mountain. That's right. The two of us. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Because <laughs> I, you know, I was telling you guys a story that I'm not going to tell now, like, of, of what made me want to come out here, and I think I'm just tired of not coming out here. I'm tired of not coming out and recording something and having that conversation and I'm just doing the Monday through Friday thing and then there's not a big payday on the end of the Monday through Friday thing. Uh, you know, I, I work in senior living, so I get to see that. I get to see what everybody was saving up for. Uh, I remember one of the two of you sent a meme once upon a time that was uh, senior citizens in a drum circle. You remember that? Yeah, I yeah think that was me. That was you. Yeah. And uh, didn't seem like a big payday at the, at the end. Well, I mean... It's the little things that matter. At that point in life, like just yesterday, I went out to my folks' house. Um, my father said, my truck's beeping like crazy. Four beeps, six beeps. My mother had used it like the week before. Yep. So I'm in the back of my head, I'm like, she touched something. She probably shouldn't have. So I hop in and immediately look at the dashboard. And the lane departure lights on it. You know what lane departure is? I don't have a vehicle that has it. I don't either. If you swerve over the line. It'll tell you. It'll start beeping at you. Okay. You know, four times, six times. <clears throat> so my father swears up and down that it's the brakes. And I get in the truck and take it for a ride and shut the lane departure on and off and start driving down the turnpike swerve over the line nothing turn it on swerve over the line immediately starts beeping turn around go back to the house he pulls in i said let's go for a ride and he, he says well it's it's a uh, it's gonna it's gonna do it so drive out to route one 
drive out to Route 1. I've got it off. Get out there. Doesn't beep. Well, it would have beeped by now. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe I am. <laughs> maybe you are. Maybe I am. I'm going to get off the subject of my parents for now. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is going to go where it's going to go. Um, my father reached out to me yesterday for a parlay on the Cincinnati game. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> so he's doing great. He's Yeah, he's living his best life. <laughs> we lost. You lost the other night too. I saw your yeah. over-under on the... Uh, close. Yeah, that was yeah. not close. Vegas? Yeah. That was not close. Biggest win in franchise history, or biggest uh, point total. <laughs> biggest asshole. <laughs> in NFL history or franchise history? Franchise history. Me, the asshole? Or <laughs> just locally. <clears throat> so, yeah, when it comes to uh, what people are doing out there, I, I think that this is um, maybe another thing that usually stayed my hand, so I got gunshots going off in the distance, which was... Really only a matter of time, I think. We're safe on a Sunday. We should be fine. We're all wearing nice dark colors. I didn't feel like we were being that loud. <laughs> well, this will be some nice found footage for someone, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but listen to other people's creations. And uh, I know that I've been writing for a long time, and uh, I do nothing with it. And I think one of the, one of the realizations that I had earlier this year is... Uh, if I was to actually try to publish anything, you know, try to get into a lit magazine, I think that was always the barrier for success and kind of a path forward to try and publish something. It's not like I'm going to, you know, write to, uh, to some New York book company for a deal. <laughs> Still the gunshots going off in the distance. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, uh, it's, whatever it is, is probably still alive. <laughs> so it's still moving. So he might not be the best shot is yeah, what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, thinking about publishing, which I never even bother trying to do, trying to get into a, like a lit magazine. Again, that was the barrier for success. And then I realized I fucking hate literary magazines. There's no, there's no path forward to produce anything at all. And that's when I got thinking about you guys and thinking about the fact that most people out there that produce content or, or really get into a high level doing this might not be any smarter than the three of us put that out there as an idea uh certainly something that i learned from bill simmons who you put me on to with the rewatchables a long time ago that one of the reasons he struck out on his own once upon a time is just he got into like high levels of espn just looked around and not really smart people necessarily that were lateral to him or even above him going i can figure this out and when i first reached out to you sitting at three four weeks ago now having none of the know-how of exactly what we were going to do or how we were going to do it of all the things I wasn't worried about, that was kind of at the top of the list. Um, Corey. Yes. Why are you here? Well, you asked me to, and I read a lot of what you write. And mm-hmm. Like I told you, I wanted to see if I could do anything to facilitate that voice, because it's, it's fun to read. I'm grateful for it. Well, one thing that I wanted to do as part of probably every episode is to introduce something that I have written before. And so for those of you that are listening that don't read the stuff that I routinely write, uh, the the pieces that I write are 1,000 words <clears throat> uh, per essay. I call them verses. 
And this is why we are recording live on Newman Road, and we'll get into kind of why the three of us are here. I wanted to introduce our location for this first pod of uh, Times Before Can Be Forgotten by Way of something that I wrote back in May, and I sent it to the two of you. This was verse 408 and explains a little bit of my attachment to where we're doing this first uh, this first pod, although, Jeremy, it was your idea to record here, so need you thinking about why you suggested that. So this is verse 408 from May. Of nothing a friend texted this morning, quote, make it a good one for all those who aren't here, along with a link to a song that I have a deep relationship with. 30 minutes later, I was crazy. It's the most beautiful place on earth. It has not changed. I have changed. I have not changed. I lied to my boss. I am not where I'm supposed to be. I resemble my dislocation. Only my shadow is true to who I am. I am an eyesore in this vista. My shadow hides my inauthentic self. This is my bridge. I've grown a second self here. I resist the urge to pray sometimes while walking this stitch of asphalt through salty wetlands. Or I talk to dead friends inside my head. Or mumble my hopes to the second self who never leaves this place. No one in my life knows where I am. My boss thinks I'm home. My family assumes I'm at work. Three friends know I'm here by the photo I send of the place I'm at. I tell lies like one of the stand-by-me kids, obfuscating my whereabouts for freedom's cover story. I quiet my unease of being missed somewhere. This is taking time for myself. Taking time. Taking. I am taking it away from someone else. I am taking it away from my boss, my employees, those who count on me to be an adult doing what he's supposed to be doing but never wants to do. I take this time and give it to my bridge and the silence of a Wednesday morning with no one around in the town I grew up in. There is no human noise. A fish disturbs the surface of the waterway. Red-winged blackbirds call. Their telephony hurdles me backwards into childhood when summer landscapes were lived microscopically in dandelion innocence, unsteady baby goose steps down an incline towards water, buffeted by brothers. Insects, splashes, marsh grass rustle, and muscular bird wings disturb the air. It's the most familiar landscape of my life, yet it looks like Midwestern plains, southwestern Texas brush country, or something I cannot name from a European vista I've long forgotten, but occasionally dream about. The tree line might only be a little over a mile away at its farthest, but it seems to stretch forever. I am a cunt of wants. The smoke from Canadian wildfires makes the sun-blue sky ashy. Marsh grass is greening up, finally. It's the last feature to do so every late spring. Roasted by responsibilities, writhing their hands together like a bully targeting an easy mark, I am all desire and longing. What I want most is what's in my hand, the unending now. Red-winged blackbirds sing and zip together in playful playground arcs. I am one of them, wearing a shirt and tie, betraying personality and colorful shoes. I scold myself for glancing at my watch and hate myself for nervously refreshing my work email. 
I want to lie down in the middle of the road, which I've done countless times before. However long I stay, it will only be insufficient. It will not dilute the impulse to do this again tomorrow. I, al- I don't always need to take. Sometimes I need to steal. I steal beautiful moments, steal writing time, steal long runs with my shirt off to resume youthful illusions. A red-winged blackbird sits atop the lone sign posted on the far side of my bridge. It flies off to a friend in the mud as I approach. I imagine it flying into my office window 20 miles away. It puts product in its plumage and pecks emails on my keyboard. It wouldn't matter. We are interchangeable. It's just as crazy that it be there and I be here with both environments, while both environments are confused, repulsed by our natures. Crazy leans down on me like a vulture, hunkered and glowering from a low perch. While this place is what it's always been to me, this is not a new instinct. Sunny January afternoons spent escaping from a call center in the year 2000, listening to baklava sheets of river ice melting on the other side of Maudsley. Car business panic attack, lunch breaks in Barnes & Noble, looking for books to help anesthetize me to a quarter-life inertia. Hell, smoking damaged camels at 16 on the CVS loading dock, teaching myself how to smoke as a means of interjecting some new feeling or experience. This is who I've always been. I repeat the phrase as an intonement. This is who I've always been. This is who I've always been. And this is my favorite place, having been so for 30 years. I come up from the depths to breathe this air to suffocate my asphyxiation. I've experienced almost everything here with almost everyone. Every summer I've had my photo taken with my son, sitting in the road and gazing out at the marsh. To him, especially in childhood's deepest vapors, the view still will seem as sweeping as Midwestern plains, southwestern Texas brush country, or something he cannot fully remember from an occasional dream lost in the morning. I think about taking my clothes off and spending 40 minutes running up and down the street in backseat sneakers and gym shorts. I cannot overcome the demons of marionette expectations. So I write this verse in my head and will put it into pixels on the clock at work. More stealing. Once I get it out, I'll go for a run. I'll hop the gate at work to the adjacent rail trail. I'll stuff my ears with myself, absorb the ashy sun. I am a cunt of wants, and what I want is to be young, not to go back to another time, but to explore and exploit the intrinsic youth still burning in songs I have deep relationships with, scenes with me always, and the friends who bring everything closer. This is who I've always been. Make it a good one for all those who aren't here. So the two of you were two of the three that I reference in that piece that I sent it out that were the only people that knew who I was uh, and where I was that morning when I was supposed to be at work. My family thinking that I was at work. My boss, don't remember what. I'm always jealous of those May mornings where you just say, fuck it, and don't go in. (laughs) Yeah. But I do hate myself because you know what I'm doing half the time? Half the time I'm trying to be grateful for being here and the other half, like I said, I'm, I'm checking my work emails, scared to death that someone's knocking on my door. And I think that that began 
in some respects, though, I didn't know it now, wanting to be here with the two of you today because, like I said, this is kind of being the person that you are and doing what you want to do, at least in my life, is the perpetual act of stealing. I don't know if you guys feel similarly to that or not, but... I do, but I, when you say you only in, kind of enjoyed it half the time you were here, mm. you wouldn't have enjoyed any of it had you been elsewhere. So at least you got half of that time. That's a good point. So everything has a price. And I, if you're willing to pay that price before you get here, maybe you can leave that anxiety at the door. Right. And uh, just enjoy your time. Letting go of anxiety is... That's work that's never done. No. No, I was, if you ask different people, between 7 and 15 minutes late this morning. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's there. Like you said, I thought I was coming to an intervention. <laughs> how did, uh, before I ask you this, Sitnik, I want to know how you felt coming here this morning, because I was surprised how I felt. You know, it took three or four weeks to put this all together, to nail a time down, to come here. And, you know, this is hopefully the first of many that we'll do together. And, uh, you know, this is about the same time that I leave for work a little bit later this morning. And I think just the habit of leaving the house at the time that I'll leave for work tomorrow, time that I left for work on Friday, I was shocked at how good I felt. Yeah, it's routine. You know, just like get up this morning. We hadn't even talked yesterday, really, about this at all. Nope. We were supposed to. For a hot second, yeah. <laughs> and uh, tied one on last night. Woke up around 5.30 to all the lights in my house on. Nice. Amy's still downstairs. Beautiful. <laughs> Went downstairs, woke her up. Success. Come on up. And, uh, you know, 7 o'clock, I actually got out of bed and uh, just went about my morning. It's about an hour and a half later than I normally do so I get to sleep in right um but it's all about routine you know getting up getting out doing something it felt really good to get out here and yeah. do this definitely and that caught me by surprise okay. I just thought you when know you were talking earlier I pulled out my notepad and wrote down the word rebellion because you mentioned it and this is like a personal rebellion from what I would otherwise be doing like fighting for extra time on the couch to just sit and relax and quote unquote rebuild mm -hmm. and uh i think this is probably more sustainable than that and you know yeah, for sure yeah well, otherwise <laughs> i mean you, you, we don't get to sit on the couch during the week and then you do it on the weekend and monday rolls around you're like what the hell they sit on the couch what for it, yeah well that's you just gotta get up and get out that's exactly. just it and that you know, especially for anyone that is listening to this and talking about a Kerouac book and rebellion going, what the fuck is he talking about? It's just three guys that are standing out on Newman Road recall, uh, you know, recording a conversation. How on earth is that rebellion? And I think that that speaks to it because... Against the mundane. Yeah. And it takes some doing mm. to extricate yourself from the mundane because, again, I... I'm really concerned about this payday thing. If you're lucky enough to get to, because don't remember, that's the other part of the old drum circle thing. That's best case scenario. Yeah. That's best case scenario. You've got a lot of money and a place to go. And right. you live that long. You're healthy yeah. enough to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. some of the rest of us are going to take rogue shots here. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, anyone can still hear the gunshots in the distance. Boy, he's... They're getting closer. <laughs> they are. They are. Not getting closer to hitting anything. No. No. Uh, but again, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is rebellion. 
I think that that's a little bit of what I'd like to introduce to anybody that chooses to listen to this. What's their own version of that? Because I think that, you know, this thing that I'm holding, this phone, is, uh, is kind of anesthetizing us from doing anything that might be of value. I was in New Bedford with my family yesterday. We took Joe, 12-year-old Joe, to the whaling museum that's down there. Been there. Nice. It, yeah, awesome Long place. Years ago, but yeah. You know. New Bedford's pretty cool. It, that's my mother's hometown. I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we had lunch. We went to a brewery afterwards, and we spent long, way longer than I thought we were going to because we were in the one on Nantucket uh, just earlier this year, actually, yeah. back in the fall. And the one in New Bedford is way better than the one on Nantucket. Yeah. We spent a long time there. Well, anyway, you know, it was mostly the adults that were trying to reconcile, like Joe's all adventure, but the adults just looking at it going, you know, to sign on for these two or three year hitches and the danger and everything else, and how could anybody do that? And well, you, you get rid of Xbox and cable and you're going to change people's values pretty quickly about what they might be willing to do. And I don't know, this is just, yeah, I, of course, I have to quote George Carlin at least once, you know, everybody's got a cell phone that'll make pancakes and rub their balls for them, like way too fucking prosperous for our own good. And I don't even think people are necessarily conscious of what are they taking away from themselves by indulging in all of that because it's just so easy to do it kind of turns the thought piece uh, of all of it off. And wanting to come out onto Newman Road with the two of you today is a step in the other direction. What's your history, Corey? Because we, we talked for a while not realizing that we both lay claim to a bridge here, but not the same bridge. No, what is, interestingly enough. What is your history with this place? Well, uh, my family, all of them, took that road to work every day from Byfield. They're all downtown Byfielders, mm -hmm. and they dig clams out there. And this is the way they would come. So when we moved to Rowley when I was four years old, this is still kind of my dad's spot. Okay. The old Newbury Landing. Yep. And... Um, he used to love coming down to, to see how the storms were treating the marsh and, you know, if, if they were going to be digging in the morning or not. And We'd drive down during thunderstorms and uh, we'd come down the hill on Newman Road and we'd get down towards the bottom of the hill and you could just see that it was all water. And he'd get us so close that... It was comical because my mother didn't enjoy that. <laughs> and she was very vocal about that. Yeah. And it would lead to just, you know, memorable situations where it felt like we were about to drive into the ocean on yep. Newman Road. And, uh, you know, this is... Well, we never made it past there. Yeah. So I never made it to your bridge during the storms because this is the end that would flood out. Got it. Coming from Rowley, which is... You know, I don't want to make excuses for being late, but I wanted to come through <laughs> Rowley and down 1A and get the whole experience instead of Route 1, and I was late. Let's, let's get past it. Well, Jeremy? My, my dad also, just for the record, had an equally sinister relationship with the road and would take us down. He never did it with uh, relative to the water at all. It would just be coming down, like taking my brother and I and probably my mother once, because for the same reason she also uh, protested this and would just get to, we'd be coming from the Newbury end, so the opposite end is you. And he would turn onto the road at dark, especially like he would wait for a new moon and then would just push in the button to turn off the lights. 
and so just that feeling is a you know no anyone that's never been down Newman Road and if you if you don't come here uh, you should stay away. Uh, this is kind of our spot. There are enough people that have uh, that have that have joined in for uh, rich people from Newbury that have come into the area, and we will be uh, we'll be complaining about those folks on future episodes of Times Before Can Be Forgotten. But anyway, he just turned off the light, and it was the same thing. Like, oh, we're driving into the marsh, the ocean, to our doom, one way or the other. Jeremy, you and I have been down here before. Uh, what is it, you know living on the island? What would what would even bring you here? What is your connection to this place? Uh, woods. It's mm. the only woods I had growing up, really. It's true. Hanging out with Noonan. Yep. Uh, the other side of the Old Town Hill. They had a trail that went up the back of Old Town Hill to the top behind their house. Um, had a rope swing back there, which I we used to sled down, and I uh, attempted to grab the rope one day with mittens on. <laughs> grabbed the rope, did not hang on, and launched myself about 25 feet um, so we, you know, spent a lot of time over here. And, of course, Kevin, living where all the mansions are, right. spent, you know, my early adult life down here quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, had, had the rule of the road, really. Right. I mean, it was us. It was our fucking road. It really was. Yeah. I mean, we own Old Town Hill. We, Kevin would throw barn parties. Remember. Snowstorms. Trampoline in there. Mm-hmm. Everyone would leave and I'd be crashing there for the night and he and I would put on snow pants and hike up Old Town Hill at yeah. like midnight. Um, but yeah, Newman Roads, it's it's got a lot. Uh, a lot of memories. Driving here, I kind of realized, and I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, it's probably one of the only roads with no telephone poles or wires that's publicly owned. I know. It's it's very unusual, and the fact that it hasn't changed, especially where Newbury has, you referenced the the mansions. It's hard not to have feelings about that and listen. Yeah. Once upon a time, like you know, my folks when they bought the house on Boston Road, which I think was 1970, they were the second house on the road, and I'm sure that there was somebody that had been there from the 20s or 30s going, "You got to be kidding me! They're building on Boston Road." It wasn't Boston Road? It wasn't even Boston either, Road? Was it? No, it wasn't. What was it? It was Four Rock Road. That's right. That was a test, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My father gave me a map yesterday, uh, old map. I don't mean to cut cut you off Do there, it. but uh, it was an old map of the whole area. Took a picture of from 1902, I think. I don't know if you can tell. It's a good weekend for uh, old maps after New Bedford yesterday. Here's Hay Street. Yep. Jerk, I guess I cut Old Town Hill off, but Parker Street, yeah, running all the way to South Street in Byfield. No Scotland Road, no Scotland Road, Silver Mine, yep, no kidding. Anyways, wow, that's bad, that's bad radio time. That's well, this <laughs> is destined to happen. We're almost at the end of uh, of our first pod, anyway. Uh, it's one last thing about our dads, which nice how organically that all came up on Thanksgiving was up with my mom. My dad passed away last year, was going through some old pictures. I had not seen any photos um, from what they had just pulled together throughout their whole lives since they moved from Newbury. So I had not seen anything since 1999. So most of them were pretty mundane. I mean, you have to remember cameras back then... I, you know, there were basically pictures of all four birthdays for 18 years, and that was about it. But one thing that surprised me is 
uh, there are some photos, you know, growing up they were rectangular, you know, kind of the shape that TVs are now. But when you get back in the 70s and the photos were about the shape of what TVs used to be, they're practically square. So there were square ones in there and there were pictures of Newman Road. And uh, apparently, I think my dad had an affinity for this place that I never knew the first thing about. He came down here right after the blizzard of 78 and took shots uh, up and down. They're actually mostly up where, uh, where Kevin lived. Nice. There, there was some up probably by where your bridge is, Corey, and then the rest were further up the road. You have feelings of uh, kind of seeing old Newbury and new Newbury when you drove here this morning or drive around here in general, or does it not bother you and everything changes and that's the way it is? Yeah, everything changes. Yeah. I don't think we can stop it. No. I uh, wish we could have, but right. it's gone now. Well, I work in the city every day. I'm in and out of different suburbs, and it's everywhere. And at least there's, a, you know, some chunks of land Places like around this. here that are still intact. You know, we have this. We have the refuge, yep. which is, is huge. And, uh, Spent a little bit of time down there. Yeah, Jeremy, you've, you've heard of the place. Do you ever go fishing down there? Sometimes. <laughs> but it's 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 a nice juxtaposition. Yeah. As much as I despise the federal government. Uh, I was going to squeeze that word in today, yeah. Matt. Appreciate it. I'm glad you got juxtaposition in, and we get a, a, a nice uh, political tirade don't here put, from Jeremy. Yeah, don't put me on a list for saying that. I'm not, <laughs> it's not a threat or a veiled threat, but, uh, you know, the, the government and places like Greenbelt and the trustees have as annoying as they can be right. snatching up all the land boy they really made this place stay the way it should be right very much so yeah if they hadn't kept what they kept i don't well we're not here you prime example right up the road on newman road right right well that's about all the time that we have on our first episode of times before it can be forgotten uh Stay tuned. We're going to have uh, a rotating cast of characters here, but make no mistake, Jeremy Sitnick, Corey Thistlewood, and myself. Uh, my name is Matthew Connery. We're, we're going to be the charter members here and your usual hosts, but before we get to uh, everything that we want to get to, we're going to talk about it all. So thank you for joining us for our first episode, and stay tuned for more episodes of Times Before Can Be Forgotten. <laughs>